good afternoon and I think good evening. Did I spot Priya, you're in Singapore? Goodness gracious me. Um, so thank you all for attending, um, attending today's session, which as Gwen said, is all about speaking up with confidence and authority um, in meetings. Holly, can you just go back to the front slide before we, we go onto the agenda? I just wanna grab everybody's attention. Back one, there we go, right. So actually what we realized is there were a lot of people that signed up for this session. For those of you who've seen me before, I've done a few masterclasses with Armstrong Wolf. They're you know, one of my great partner for me. Um, but I was really, really excited to see so many people who are interested in this topic. And I think that is because actually most of us really don't find it particularly comfortable to speak up, let alone speak up with confidence and authority in meetings. And in actual fact, research tells us 70% of us, so 70% of us have at one time or another not spoken up in a meeting because we felt fearful or we didn't know what to say, or maybe we just felt uncomfortable in the culture that we're in. There are various different reasons. So that's quite a lot of us. There's quite a lot of us that don't necessarily feel particularly comfortable speaking up with confidence and authority in meetings. So the first thing I would like you to recognize is you're not alone. You're not alone in this respect. So, um, I'm just going to ask Holly if we can go to the agenda slide. Thank you very much. So to talk through today's agenda, again, if you've seen me before in action, you know, I tend to keep it pretty simple. So I'm going to talk about four things. What does speaking with confidence and authority actually look like? How do we know it when we see it? Um, you know, what are some of the characteristics and behavioral traits? So that's the first thing we're going to cover, and I'm going to get you guys on chat and get you talking about this. Why is it so important? You know, I'm assuming that a lot of you have an idea of why it's important, because that's why you've dialed into to this call today. But why is it important? What do you get out of it? What do you get out of speaking up in meetings? Why are we so uncomfortable doing it? You know, why, what are some of the neuroscience reasons, the behavioral science reasons as to why we just don't want to say anything or we talk ourselves out of saying something in a meeting or we get so anxious about it. Then I'm going to give you five strategies, five very straightforward, simple strategies that you can take away and you can try out in the workplace and see how they work for you. So that's what we're going to cover. Now, before we start to get into the to the subject of me telling you what confidence and authority looks like, I would love to hear from you. So we're going to get you back onto the chat, please. So first of all, what I'd like you to think about is. So some sorry, of just to interrupt here, it's Irene Ray from uh, TV Securities. Some organizations like ours, there's a firewall, yeah. so we can't join the chat just as an FYI. Yeah, so if you're, thank if you, it's quiet. We've actually got that down on the okay. chat. So thank you very much. So to, to Irene's point, if you can't, absolutely no problem. Um, feel free if you want to speak up, speak up. Um, but if not, absolutely not to worry. I'm sure there'll be enough content that we can get through on the chat. I trust Irene to tell us. Go on, Irene. You've got a lovely voice. <laughs> 
Sorry, that that was my speak up for today. Maybe I have something else. But I, I also <laughs> have other team members. You set the standard. You <laughs> now set the standard. So we're going to call on you again. That's fine. Um, I have other team members who are like, "What's happening?" I was like, "No, no, it's it's our firewall." So, all right, we're good. We're good. Um, so if you can, please. So first of all, just think whether you can put it on the chat, not put it on the chat. First of all, just have a think about somebody that you know. So somebody that you know that really, really embodies that idea of confidence and authority. It might be a line manager. It might be a senior leader in your organization. It could be a public figure, you know, you know, a personality, a politician, whatever it may be. So first of all, have a think. Who's that person? So once you've got that person in your head, if you are able, please, can you think about what behavioral traits does that person demonstrate? So why did you pick that person? Why did is it, what is it about what they do, how they operate that makes you really feel inspired by them, that makes you really feel that sense of confidence, that they have that sense of president, presence? So what are the behavioral traits? So for those of you who can pop it, oh, here we go from Gwen. So for those of you who can pop it down, you don't necessarily have to name names, but if you've got a name that we all know, like Michelle Obama, then pop it into the chat, please. So what I'm interested in is what are the behavioral traits that that person demonstrates that instills that feeling of confidence? So off you go, please, folks. Here's where we'll find out uh, how many of you can actually pop stuff in the chat. Thank you, Claire. Confidence. Isn't it always curious when I ask this question, everyone goes, confidence. I'm like, what do you mean by confidence? It's very difficult to talk about talking in meetings with confidence without mentioning the word confidence. So we've got confidence. Uh, we've got knowledge. We've got all laid back approach. I think I know what you mean, Claire, but I might ask you to clarify if I don't get that right later on. They speak very clearly, says Baljet. Yep, so really clear, perhaps quite concise. They're charismatic. Kelly, describe charismatic for me. When you when you think about that, well, could you put that more into words? They're knowledgeable. Yep, so we had knowledgeable. They're calm. Projecting feeling of a safe pair of hands. Audrey, that's lovely. Yeah, I really like that one. Integrity, calm, makes you feel part of the conversation, actually. So also encourage that engagement. Good storyteller. Lovely, Stephanie, that's great. Oh, fluently, measured, clear and empathetic. Thank you for that, Ina. They show that they know their value. Oh, how interesting. I'd love to hear more about that one. Brilliant. So I'll stop. Sorry, here. I just, I'm, I'm a TD fellow, so I also can't type. But uh, hi, it's Amanda McNaught. Hi, um, Amanda. Hello there. Um, I, would, I was also going to say uh, they understand the audience and yeah. they speak to the audience um, and they're careful of the language that they're using. So, for example, they don't speak in acronyms or jargon. Yes. And so therefore engaging and in having inclusive behavior. Inclusive. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you very much for, um, for for speaking up there. So we've got really, really great feedback and input here. And actually, what's interesting is there's some things around clarity of communication, but there's a lot about this sense of calm. So Holly, can you move to the next slide, please? 
So again, you know, one of the things to think about is whilst there's some themes that we've all talked about there and we've put on the chat and we've had a conversation about, actually the reality is a lot of it is a bit open to interpretation. You know, what might be confidence and authority to you may be something entirely different to me. So sometimes when I've had these conversations with people, people will say, well, you know, they talk, they speak, they have knowledge, you know, they're not afraid to talk out loud and say what it is they mean. Others, and some of you have done that here, say they're calm. You know, they're calm, they're steady, they listen. They listen and then they have a habit of really cutting through the content and getting to what really matters. So, you know, there's differences of opinion. A lot about confidence is in the eye of the beholder, but we do know, and again, research tells us there are a few things that really denote somebody who has confidence and authority. Um, and a lot of the time we use this expression, executive presence. Um, now, I don't know whether or not any of you have been told, oh, I need to build my executive presence or you need to build your executive presence. or you've heard that expression before. I used to get this a lot. I used to get this a lot when I was in financial services. And actually I have to say it drives me nuts as an expression because I don't really know what to do with it. But when we talk about executive presence, we talk about things like confidence and authority. So I may use that expression interchangeably with confidence and authority as we talk throughout the slides. But it's this concept of grace under pressure. So a lot of you said calm, even, steady, the ability to be able to respond without over emotion, whether that's, you know, they don't show their anger, they don't show their emotion, they are graceful, they're dignified. And actually a really great example um, of somebody, of a woman who demonstrated grace under pressure earlier on this year um, was Katanji Brown-Jackson. Um, on the Supreme, one of our now Supreme Court members in, in the US, and obviously those of you in the US will be particularly fluent with the confirmation process she had to go through. She got a really tough time um, and actually what was considered a somewhat biased and dishonest approach. But she held her own. She stood her ground. She didn't become overly emotional. She could have reacted very differently to some of the very difficult and unnecessary questions that were being posed to her, but she didn't. She showed a huge amount of grace under pressure. Um, the other thing that we often see with individuals with confidence and authority is this idea of a constructive challenger. So actually, they do need to be knowledgeable, but they don't need to be the person that knows the most in the room. So again, if you think about senior leaders in your organisation, they invariably don't know everything. They can't possibly, but they have enough knowledge to be able to constructively challenge. So they listen to what everybody has to say. They're measured, they're even, they take it all in. They act very inclusively, as Amanda has said, encouraging people to participate. They're not autocratic, but at the end of the day, they are quite comfortable challenging and they're also quite decisive. They're quite comfortable making the decision at the end of the day. And they also show a decent sense of common sense. You know, as I said, they have knowledge, but they don't know everything and they don't need to know everything. But whether it is an element of common sense, whether it is an element of experience, whether it's an element of, you know, being considerate and measured, they have that ability to cut through 
all of the information and actually work out how to steer the ship um, and actually how to instill confidence in others. So those are some of the things that we think about when we're talking about a leader with confidence and authority. You've also said actually trustworthy, safe pair of hands, steady, clear, succinct, high degrees of emotional intelligence as well. So that's so we've now established what that looks like. Um, Holly, can you go to the next slide, please? So why is it so important to lean in? Um, so obviously you're all familiar with the expression lean in. Um, it was coined by Sheryl Sandberg, the you know now former CEO of Facebook, now Meta. And actually really what it means is grab the opportunity, seize the opportunity. So why is it so important that you speak up as a group, as a community, as individuals? So firstly, it builds your brand. So how are people going to know what you stand for? How are they going to know what you're about if you don't say anything when you're in a meeting? And it doesn't matter whether you're in person or it doesn't matter whether you're on, you know, on a virtual call. It is a massive, massive opportunity for you to build your brand, for you to demonstrate to the people on the call how you walk in the world and they won't know you if you don't speak up. So the first is it's a really, really important opportunity to build your brand. The second thing is it positions you as a voice of authority, you know, and it kind of goes without saying. Again, you don't have to be the person that knows the most in the room. But actually, if you have an opinion, if you have a view, whether people agree with you or don't agree with it, like your view, don't like your view, you have a view. So it positions you as a voice of authority. And what you will tend to find is if you speak up and you speak with confidence and you stand behind your convictions, invariably you will be, you will be asked to come along to more opportunities. Speaking up creates more opportunities. You demonstrate yourself as a voice of authority, you get called back more where you then demonstrate yourself as a voice of authority. It also helps you build confidence and credibility. And there's two, two elements to that. One is about building your own confidence. You know, it's like a muscle. I'd love to be able to tell you that in this session, I'm going to give you a bunch of sneaky shortcuts that will enable you to do this tomorrow. But the reality is, is I'm not. Actually, you just simply have to practice and you simply have to practice building that confidence and building that authority. And the more you do it, it's like a muscle, the easier it will become. Um, so it builds confidence for you and it builds confidence in you from others perspective and they see you as a credible individual and the last piece is it increases collective intelligence so i spent a lot of time talking about what it gives you but the reality is is when you attend a meeting you've been invited you know you have a seat at the table so therefore you have a responsibility what you say and the contribution that you give will help increase collective intelligence to the room, will help drive the strategy, provide the solutions and steer the ship. So those are some of the key reasons why it's important to lean in. Holly, can you go to the next slide, please? So why don't we do it? You know, so why don't we do, why don't we speak up? Why do we feel a little bit uncomfortable around exercising confidence? Why are we a little bit anxious around it? So the biggest single factor is actually in a, 
and basically an element of social threat and that's fear so if you are one of those people that is uh sitting in a meeting and perhaps you are thinking um you know what if what i have to say sounds silly um what if i say the wrong thing you know that was something i used to think about all the time what if i say the wrong thing what if i say something stupid what if i upset someone what if i say something and maybe somebody gets upset about it what if what i have to say just isn't worth saying maybe it's just not worth saying maybe it's just not good enough maybe i haven't thought it through maybe it's a bit half-baked you know so maybe I shouldn't say anything at all. Or what if I say something and then someone challenges me? You know, what if I get caught out? What if actually it creates debate? And what if I'm pinned into a corner? A lot of us suffer from that internal voice that actually stops us from saying something and holds us back. And that is the fear talking. It is very much based on the social threat of if I say something, what could happen? Um, and, you know, may something bad, might something bad happen on the back of it? So the biggest thing that holds us back is fear. The second thing that also holds us back is this idea of, well, actually, if I don't say it, someone else will. So somebody else will say it, you know, Jack will say it, Gwen will say it, Amanda will say it, Irene will say it, Cressida will say it, they'll all say it. So I don't have to say it. So I can just step back a little bit and I can rely on others. So it's sometimes we can get, be a little bit lazy. We can disengage a little bit. We can think it's a little bit inconvenient. Somebody else will cover it for us. We also might think actually, you know what? We really lack the knowledge. Um, now, sometimes when my clients say this to me, I will challenge them and I'll say, okay, so do you really lack the knowledge? And if you really genuinely are in a meeting and you fundamentally lack the knowledge, then I would question why you're there. But sometimes legitimately, and as long as we're being honest with ourselves, then actually we might say, okay, you know what, actually, I don't have enough knowledge, so I don't feel entirely comfortable contributing. But again, if you really think about that honestly, and I would encourage you at this point in time to sit and think, why don't I speak up? More often than not, it's about the fear um, and it's about the fear of social threat. There are other factors that may also contribute to us. Not speaking up tend to be external in the environment in which we operate, cultural norms. Um, so, you know, certainly in some cultures, actually, there's a greater hierarchy. There is a need to show cultural deference. Um, so actually, in some places, it's slightly less appropriate. And we know that in some organizations, the military being a good example, organizations with very hierarchical structures, where there's tall organizational flows or complex structures, actually, you know, we maybe don't feel quite so comfortable operating openly in those environments. It doesn't tend to be the case in financial services. Um, but, you know, we also know in some cases we don't feel psychologically safe. Um, so actually we may feel a little bit uncomfortable speaking out because we're fear of repercussion or we're fear of, you know, possibly even retribution. So there are a number of reasons why we might not speak out, both internally driven and externally driven. So the, the environment in which we work, 
Um, but most of the time, it's just the fear that's talking. So I'm going to talk through some of the key strategies. But what I want to do, because actually we have a nice number of people, I think, um, I'm going to talk through five key strategies. I'm going to talk through the importance of being prepared. I know it may not necessarily be that sexy and it may not be that interesting, but actually being prepared will get you half the way there. I'm going to talk about the emotional goals and commitments you can make with yourself to take the hot seat and to actually speak up with confidence and authority. I'm going to talk a little bit about being definitive and introduce this concept of female register. I'm going to talk about how you manage others. Um, so perhaps you're in a room with people that talk a lot or interrupt. So some some strategies around that. And I'm also going to talk to you about managing your state as well. So I'm going to cover those things. But Holly, can you take the slides down for me? Ah, look, there we go. Interestingly, so, though, Christina, it's really interesting, isn't it, that mm -hmm. most people are not on video. Not on video. So... For those of you who are not on video and can be on video, come on, stick your videos on, please. Um, you know, it's nothing worse than being on this end when you're talking to a bunch of grey screens. Look at you all. It's so nice to see everyone. Yay. There we go. That's what we look like. This is what you look like in a meeting. How good is that? Oh, so nice to see everyone. And so many smiley faces as well. That's better. Nice. Very light. Yes, we don't let you we don't let you hide behind presentation screens at Armstrong Wolf. Okay, brilliant. That's great. Okay, so look, whilst you're all popping onto video, take the opportunity, look around. You know, look at yourself, see yourself on screen, look at some of the other faces. You know, at Armstrong Wolf, we do create a network, we do create a community. This is you know, these are all other women and men who've dialed into this because actually they want to hear the same subject as you. So they are your support network and they are your community. So just stop and, you know, take a moment to look around the room and look at yourself and how you come across on screen. I can see some very similar screens as well. Some of you are using the same backgrounds. Our corporate protocols to turn off. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe, maybe. Um, that's all right, Jasmina, no problem. Maybe, Ina, maybe, you know, it is your corporate policy. I have to say, certainly in the organization that I used to work for, it wasn't, a lot of people still did it anyway. And it is really difficult to build your executive presence if actually your video is switched off. So if you were one of those people that tends to do it, take a moment, because actually you are missing a trick. So thank you all. I can see your lovely faces, which is wonderful. So I'm going to give you a few strategies. Um, again, this is supposed to be where you feel comfortable an interactive session. So if any of you have tried these sorts of things, then please tell us how it went, what worked, what didn't work. So, you know, interact on chat or interact, um, you know, verbally. Uh, that would be great to have your interaction. So the first thing I talked about was be prepared. So there's a couple of elements to this. Firstly, you want to speak up in a meeting and you want to speak up with more confidence and more authority. The first question I would ask you is, what do you want to get out of it? 
And it sounds like a very simple question, but if I sit here and say, okay, here you go, I'm going to give you a bunch of strategies to speaking up with confidence and authority, and you go, great, thanks very much, Cressida, I'm off. Unless you have a goal, unless you have an end game in mind, I'm pretty willing to bet you're not going to do a huge amount about it. You might refer to the notes that you made at a later point, but the chances are you won't. So firstly, why do you want to do this? So what are the outcomes that you're looking to achieve? Is it actually, I just want to build my executive presence in meetings? Um, and I'd really like to do it with, you know, some of the more senior stakeholders in my organization. Is it actually I'd like to speak up a little more because I feel like genuinely I've got a lot of things to say and I don't feel like I'm being heard enough. Um, and I'd like the confidence to be able to say what I mean. Is it actually, you know, what I feel kind of anxious sometimes when actually I'm about to go on a call and I'd really like to think about how I can actually manage my state. Is it you know what, there's some stakeholders and senior people that I really know in my heart of hearts that I need to get in front of a little bit more. And actually, I probably should speak up in meetings because these are great opportunities. So have a think about it, because one of the things I would encourage you to do is when we finish up on this call is then write those goals down. What is it you actually want to do and how are you then going to enforce that? in a strategy so that when we all leave the room um, in half an hour or so, you don't end up not putting any of this stuff in practice. So what are you trying to get to? How are you going to do it? What meetings do you want to speak up in? Which ones are they? Which ones do you want to build your confidence in a little bit more? Um, you know, pick the meetings, know when they are. How are you actually going to tangibly take this away? So that's the first thing about being prepared. The second thing about being prepared, and it is so, so remarkably straightforward, is about knowing the content of the meeting that you want to speak up in, in com with confidence and authority. So let me talk you through my experience. So I, um, you know, by virtue of the role that I had in my previous employer, for anyone who doesn't know, I worked at HSBC. I used to be in meetings with some pretty senior people. Um, I found it very overwhelming. I found them, um, they were lovely individuals, but I was hugely daunted by the experience of speaking in front of these very senior individuals. And I know that if I didn't set myself an emotional commitment and if I didn't set myself a goal, I just wouldn't do it. It would be so easy not to. So I picked three meetings a month. Um, and I said to myself, in those three meetings, I'm going to say something, clearly something of value, but I'm going to say something and I'm going to make that commitment. So then what I did was basically work out, OK, what's going to be discussed in these meetings? So I went, I, if there were minutes from previous meetings, I read the minutes and, you know, you know this as well as I do. Most of you, I'm sure, go from meeting to meeting. You probably don't get much time to prep. You probably don't read the minutes or remember what was going on, you know, for the last meeting. And so does everyone else. So the minute you give yourself just that little bit of time to prep, you already have significant advantage because most people, and I did work with 
board level minus one would rock up to a meeting going, okay, what is it we're talking about again? So understand the content of the meetings, go and talk to people about what is going to be discussed, read the minutes from the previous meeting, get hold of the agenda, if you can, of the future meetings. Go and find out who the chair, I'm sure you probably know, if you know the chair of the meeting, don't go to the chair because they're senior people, go to their people. Find out who administers the meeting, the people that actually are the ones that are recording the meetings, making the notes, do that sort of thing. So go to their people and ask what's going to be on the agenda and then do your research. So the first one is, is be prepared. I'm going to pause. Any comments on that one? You're yeah, one from me. I'm oh, sorry. Yes, go on, Slightly controversial, hmm. but um, I have come across um, well a few a few times in my career whereby I was the only one in the room who was a female, and uh, suddenly I was given the job of taking the notes, and uh, just because I was a female, and I wasn't too sure what to do with that. Was yep. that a was that a, a a sign of trust in me that I would actually be listening well enough to take all of these notes? And actually, is this a sign of empowerment or is it a sign of actually I, I would rather you don't talk but take notes? And how do you deal with that? With that, because you expect coming into a, a call and or a meeting and actually be fully present and participate in all this, and suddenly you're being asked to take notes. What's your advice? Has anybody else experienced that? Yep. I've been asked oh. to get the coffee. Oh no. And what's what what did you do? I I was to say on the notes piece, I um I think I responded with a uh, good idea to record some of the key points of the meeting. Um and since and I think it was a recurring meeting, and I said since it's a recurring meeting, we should share the responsibility amongst the participants. So next time we'll have somebody else. Great. So I'm happy to do it this time, but actually next time. Let's share it amongst my peers. Yeah, absolutely. And operate like we're all equals. Yeah, it's great, Amanda. Anyone else? On the coffee one, I asked one of the blokes in my team to come in and get it. <laughs> so Audrey, you got asked to go and get the coffees. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know, how long ago were these examples, Amanda and Audrey? Please tell me they weren't in the last three months. No, <laughs> different organisation. Yep. Yeah, good, good five years ago. Okay, great. Okay, so I have a little bit more faith. We all have a little bit more faith around the room. Um, so again, to, to Gwen, I think Amanda's answer is fabulous around the note taking, because as you say, and I think you're perhaps being a bit kind, we're obviously in a comfort, you know, we're in a we're in a space where we can all be honest, although I am conscious of the fact I'm going to be videoed saying this, but you do wonder why is it me if I'm the only female in a room? Is there a bias here that I'm being asked because I'm the female? So I think that response of, okay, I will do this, but I would recommend and I would ask, please, that actually we share the responsibility. And then if also I were in your position, I would have a conversation with the person that asked you after the fact and say, out of curiosity, what was that about? Why did you ask me? Why didn't you ask others in the room? And I certainly think if I were asked to get the coffees, I would probably say no. 
um, as you say, or perhaps perhaps take the slightly more diplomatic view there from Audrey, which is I'll get somebody in the team to do it. Um, so some interesting some interesting stories there that we've got. So that's a little bit about be prepared. The second thing, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, is you have to make a commitment to yourself. So research tells us that one of the obvious things to do when you want to make sure you're speaking up is to ensure you speak up in the first 10 minutes or, or 15 minutes of a meeting. Because actually what tends to happen is if we sit in a meeting and we're not speaking up, as time goes on, we simply talk ourselves out of it. Or somebody says what we were going to say, and you know the time gets the time goes on we miss the opportunity and then we think oh okay well we've got five minutes to go it's not worth me saying anything so one of the easy things to do is say to yourself okay i've picked my three meetings and i'm going to talk within the first 10 minutes and then i can relax and then i can engage and i can listen as the meeting continues or i can contribute further if i feel comfortable doing it so one we mentioned earlier, make a commitment to yourself that actually you will speak up, you will work out which meetings it is, how many you're going to do a month. And then the second one is I'm going to go into that meeting and I'm going to speak for the first appropriate 10 or 15 minutes in that meeting. But the reality is, is you have to put yourself in the hot seat. You have a responsibility to yourself to speak up in those meetings. So that's the second thing. I'm going to now start to move a little bit around displaying that element of executive presence of confidence and authority. So the third thing is about being really definitive. And this is about communication. So it is about being clear. It is about being succinct. Um, and it is about having clarity of message. Now, one of the things that, present, that prevents us and can sometimes act as a little bit of a barrier to this is what we call female register. Now, I am very aware um, that we uh, have some gentlemen on the call. Um, so I am not making this into a gender uh, thing. It's called female register because research tells us that it tends to be more of a female trait. But actually, male, female, we all have a tendency sometimes to do this. And the concept of female register is being perhaps somewhat apologetic when we're talking, when we're asking a question, when we're saying something in a meeting. Now, remember, speaking in a meeting with confidence and authority doesn't have to be about saying something. It can also simply be about asking a question. When you're a little bit nervous about it, asking a question can be one of the best ways that actually you can create an opening for yourself. Um, but I'm going to just give you some examples to think about. Um, perhaps some of you might be a little bit guilty of doing this. I certainly know that I am. Um, so it's when you start a sentence or perhaps when you start a question with, um, you know, I, I'm sorry to ask, but have you thought about such and such? Um, or I'm just checking. I'm just checking is one that we all have a tendency to. I can see a couple of smiles there from the just checking. So just checking, have you done such and such or have we thought about this or have we thought about something else? Or perhaps it might be, I'm sure you've already got this covered, but 
have we thought about this or have we thought about that? It's that type of language. Don't do just checking. If you want to ask a question, ask a question. Be comfortable asking the question. You don't need to check. You know what it is that you want to say. You're checking because you want to make the other person feel more comfortable. So this is the idea between, behind female register is that we tend to soften our language a little bit and use terms that perhaps may be a little bit self-deprecating, but they certainly undermine our authority. So be definitive, be clear, get straight to the point and be punchy and succinct. I'm going to stop again at this point. Invite any comments, any thoughts on that? Just just a quick question. Uh, <laughs> how would you ask those questions then? Um, I naturally start because it's something that I do. Um, so how would you approach that in the meeting? So I'd simply ask the question. So let's say, for example, Michaela, um, I don't know we've got a question around we're having a conversation around strategy um, it's it's a slightly sort of contrived situation here but rather saying I'm just checking have we thought about you know xyz in our strategy I would probably say I've got a question around our strategy and then I would say my question if you are checking that somebody's done something then it's simply you know then it's simply about saying have you done xyz have we thought about that have you thought about that Often, what we need to do is physiologically just stop ourselves putting the filler in because these things like I'm just checking or have you thought about or I thought I'd ask or I'm sorry to ask is just a filler to overcome the anxiety that we have. So actually, the answer is just get very directly into your question and go straight to the point. Does that help? It definitely does, but it's funny how unnatural that feels to do. Yes. Yeah. And it will. It will feel, you'll feel very awkward. It will feel somewhat aggressive. But the other thing to think about, Michaela, is listen to other people. Listen to other people that don't do it. And I bet you don't bat an eyelid because it feels entirely natural to hear them do it. The only reason it doesn't feel natural for you is because you've spent years and years and years doing it. So actually the bit that's uncomfortable is trying to get your brain to go down a road less traveled and to switch that default mechanism off. But other people, they won't bat an eye. It re genuinely, I can, I can pretty much guarantee you this. Um, it won't occur to them that actually you are speaking differently or what you feel might be being more assertive. They'll simply go, okay, you're asking a question. So it's it's about rewiring re, re your brain. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for the question. Um, so I'm just going to do the last couple because I'm a little conscious of time. So um, when I talk to clients about um, speaking up with with sort of confidence or an authority, one of the things that comes up is how do I do that when I'm in a room with people that are all talking? How do I get my piece in? There are, and, and we've all experienced this, you know, you go into a meeting and there's three or four people that tend to dominate the conversation. Um, the other thing that often comes up from my clients is how do I deal with people that interrupt me? It's the interrupters. 
Um, and again, you know, I'm, I'm sort of conscious of, you know, that there are both men and women in the room, but research tells us that women are 30% more likely to be interrupted by a man than a man. That makes sense. So women are 30% more likely to be interrupted by a man than another man is. So we do know that this does tend to happen and in it, there is some social fluency around this. So how do you deal with these situations? Um, and, you know, we've had some really interesting examples over the last few years of interrupting or what sometimes referred to as manterrupting or uh, mansplaining, which often comes up as well as as a term that's perhaps a little little overused. But how do you deal with this? So if you're in a room with a group of people and there's a lot of talking and you want to get something in, the most obvious way of doing it is to what I say to my clients is get your elbows out. If you want to be heard in a meeting full of people who are speaking, you have to speak. You simply have to get your elbows out. That's the expression that I use. So often if I have been in meetings in the past or I'm in meetings where people are talking, I will simply interrupt. Um, so if somebody's talking and I know actually I've got a limited window, I will simply say, oh, you make a really interesting point. And then I'll say what it is that I have to say. Because the idea of saying, oh, you make a really interesting point is you're interrupting, but it's a, it is a slightly softer way of doing it. You're recognizing that the person that's talking is actually expressing something that is of interest to you and you show that you're listening. And it's disarming. It tends to stop the other person in their tracks. So you make a really interesting point and then off you go and say what it is that you want to say. The other thing and the other strategy that I use to interrupt somebody else, and I'm not necessarily advocating, but sometimes you simply have to, is to simply say, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but you said something there and I really want to pick up on it. And off you go. Again, it's quite disarming. There's an element of flattery in it. And the minute you say there's something I want to pick up on, it stops the other person talking. It creates that element of anticipation. So actually, it's quite a useful strategy just to stop the flow of conversation and actually to, to get your elbows out. So that's how to interrupt the flow when there's a lot of conversation. And the second thing to think about is what happens if you're interrupted? Um, and again, a few of my clients talk to me about this. So there's two or three ways that you can manage actually having the authority to hold your own when you're interrupted by somebody else. So the first one is if you get interrupted is to let the other person finish speaking and then to say, thank you for your thoughts. May I finish speaking? Um, now, obviously, if they go on for a long time, you might need to revisit that. But very simply, you've spoken, they've interrupted you. And at the end, you said, thank you for your thoughts. May I, you know, may I continue to speak again? It's slightly pointing out the fact they've been a little rude by interrupting you. Um, they're never going to say, no, you can't finish speaking and not allow you to talk. Um, and then you can say your piece. So that's the first strategy. The second strategy is slightly more risky, 
um, and that is to continue to talk. So if somebody interrupts you, it's just keep on going. Now, I wouldn't necessarily, I can see a couple of people go, oh, hey, I see you. I saw your face there. Um, it is, as I said, it's a bit of a high risk strategy. It's not one I would advocate if you're on a virtual meeting, because sometimes somebody might interrupt you. There might be a technology lag. If you've got two people speaking at the same time, it's very confusing for the audience. But in person, if you want to if you want to build that confidence and build that authority is to simply keep talking and the way that you do it. They've interrupted you. Raise your voice slightly more. Don't shout. Never shout. Increase the volume and then engage the rest of the room. Talk to everybody else in the room as if the other person hasn't interrupted you. And then it really is a little bit of a battle of wills because you do have to keep going. So, you know, you have to find the right moment. I guarantee you, however, if you do that with somebody who is a perpetual interrupter, they won't do it to you again. They won't do it to you again. And then the last strategy is to is to do a little bit of a Kamala Harris, um, which is to stop the interruption. So if you're in a situation, somebody interrupts you, you can either physically put your hand up to act as a little bit of that blocker and then say, I'm sorry, I haven't finished speaking and then carry on with what you say. Or you could say, um, thank you, I haven't finished speaking. If you could leave me to continue and then we can discuss what you have to say at the end. Choose the words that you feel most appropriate, but it cuts it off at the pass. And again, just remember, you're coming at these situations through your own lens. You know, as, as, as Michaela talked about, this is your natural wiring of perhaps interrupting somebody else, perhaps holding your own and continue to talk. Might feel horribly uncomfortable. It doesn't for the other person if they're used to it. So you've got to imagine yourself in their shoes and recognize that sometimes they simply won't be as offended as you might be had it been, you know, if this were being done to you. So that's how to manage others. Um, I'm a little bit conscious of time, but I'm just going to stop there. Any thoughts from anyone on that content? Some I know some could be a bit controversial. Yeah, it's Irene here. I think part of the challenge is, um, so first of all, there's a great quote, and I don't know who it was. I was just trying to find who it is, but someone said, and I'm sure most people wouldn't say this, but you can think of it internally, is, um, I'm sorry for talking while you were interrupting. I want to say it was like Hillary Clinton or something like that. I can't remember. Um, but anyways, that I know someone had said that out there. Um, but I think the challenge for, for many of us, um, and feel free to, to challenge this, is it's how, like it's managing the relationship dynamics right yeah. so you can get away with a hand up saying hold on a second let me talk with people mm -hmm. that you have an established relationship with or people that are more your peers and direct colleagues versus like if i'm speaking to my ceo and he interrupts me like sometimes you just got to take it on the nose yep yep yeah. And what's and, and you know, and you're absolutely right. Um, you do have to manage the relationship again. I would just encourage you to think about your CEO's perspective, because if he's a natural person, he's much. You know, we talked a bit earlier about hierarchy in the organization. If he does have a tendency to interrupt. Um, yes, I agree. Perhaps the hand probably wouldn't be the smartest thing to do. And perhaps being 
that assertive, um, you know, and maybe, you know, it might feel a little bit borderline confrontational, but actually sometimes you can just simply back back and also interrupt because again, he has a different value set to yours. I mean, so he might get offended, um, but certainly in some situations, actually, if you're talking to somebody who naturally interrupts and you end up doing the same, they don't really pay too much attention because it's the natural language and it's the natural way they adopt. But I do understand that actually you do have to manage it. What's what's the view from from others who perhaps might have a view on, on what um, Irene was saying? I just want to say our CEO doesn't do that. So it was just an example. <laughs> Apologies to nice. nice recovery, Irene. Yeah. Hi, it's Sarah Schuchner. I think one of the great ideas that I was uh, given a while back in um, mentoring was to ensure you have a partner. So if you're going into an intimidating situation or if it's a super senior um leadership meeting, then ensure you've got someone who has your back. So if you don't necessarily have a comeback that's immediate, and just know that you have somebody there to to have your back, like I said. So like, what's, um, Joe has my back. Joe, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, just to try to switch up the dynamic of me yeah. versus you, my conversation, you're interrupting. I'm going to speak again. So it's like it kind of changes the dynamic in the room. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I think that's a great point. It's that concept again of being prepared, of knowing knowing who you can call on in the room, knowing who your allies are, um, and actually those that you can bring into the conversation um can be an incredibly, incredibly useful, useful thing. Any other thoughts? Yeah, we have one in the chat. I mean, um, there is obviously a fine line between being confident and being labelled something negative like bossy or abrasive. Uh, we know that. Um, but um, thanks, Louise, for your question. Any advice in tricky situations to come across as assertive but not aggressive? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you can, Natalie, you know, don't use the words that I've necessarily used, as you say, it might be, uh, sorry, said, hang on a second. Um, I know you've got some, you know, I know that you've got a really good point around this. Just give me a minute and I'll be done. And then, you know, I welcome your thoughts. Um, so you can bring, you know, you can make the person feel comfortable coming back in. You could say absolutely, you know, I'll come back. I'm absolutely, I've seen you. I know you want to say something and I'll absolutely come back to you once I've finished. You can do it with a smile. You can do it with a slightly softer approach. You can choose, you know, you can choose to use the I made it out into the hand like it's some big enormous hand, but you can choose to put your hand up or, or not and use it as that um, mechanism. But the reality is, is that, you know, don't feel apologetic because somebody might label you as bossy or aggressive. And I know this happens, but that's their problem and not your problem. So why should you then not be more assertive because you're worried about being labelled? So just something to think about. Um, in the next sort of couple of minutes, I wanted to just do one last piece with you in terms of managing your state. So if you're in a meeting, you want to project that air of confidence, you want to project that air of authority, there's three, two or three things that you can do to help you manage your physiological state. And why it's important to do that is if you're in a meeting, particularly in a conflict situation, a few things happen. Your heart rate elevates, 
um, the adrenaline starts to kick in because actually the cortisol hormone, which is the stress related hormone, starts to get going. So this is where your fight or flight kicks in. Your mouth tends to get dry and your voice goes a little bit wobbly. Um, and this is all the things that happens, you know, for those of you who do presentations, you know, it's a natural response when you're anticipating or when actually you're a little bit anxious about something. So there's two or three things that I would recommend you do, and they're all really simple and I'm sure you would have heard them before. The first one is always have water, always, always have water next to you. I used to. I used to be the butt of a number of jokes in my former employers because I always had the biggest bottle of water in the room because I used to drink copious amounts of water, but it lubricates the throat and it's also a great prop. You know, it's a good prop sometimes to have in front of you if you're feeling a little bit anxious. The second thing to do is plant both feet firmly on the floor. So if you are sitting with me not doing that, plant both feet firmly on the floor. Thank you for those of you who are engaging. It's audience participation time as we wrap up. And I know it's like, oh, really? Here we go again. But plant both feet on the floor. And what happens, and I can see it with some of you already, is actually it lifts the diaphragm. So it lifts the diaphragm, it automatically pulls your shoulders back. You can pop your hands into your lap, you can put your hands in front of you, whichever you feel more comfortable with. And then what it also allows you to do is take in breath because your diaphragm is lifted and your lungs have slightly expanded. But it's a really, really good way. You know, we're all very, after a period of time on a call like this or in a meeting that you're in, we all forget our posture. We sit back in our seat, we slouch. It's natural that it happens. But particularly on a call, I can see the difference already. Um, actually, it will immediately give you just a little bit more presence on a call in the room and will also help you. And the last thing to do is to breathe. You know is to take some deep breaths if you're on a virtual call perhaps press the mute button so people don't see you breathing but breathe in through the diaphragm breathe out through the mouth and it will lower the cortisol it will calm the adrenaline it will lower your heart rate and it will just with your feet planted firmly on the ground make you feel more grounded so I'm very conscious we're pretty much at time. Um, so just I won't pull the slides back up again because it's so lovely to see you all to see your faces. But thank you very much. I hope some of this. Yeah. Has been Would useful. you like to show us how you use water as a prop? How I use water.